Hello, and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, our family pastor, J.C. Thompson, will deliver a message about Jesus being the bread of life. You can follow along with this message in John 6, 22 through 71. You can also find our weekly message outline and other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. Thank you, God, that you know just what to do. Good morning, Brookwood. How are you? That was excellent. Good job. Uh, Today we are continuing our series entitled The Life of Jesus, which has been awesome and amazing to look at Jesus uh, piece by piece, verse by verse, and analyze and observe and learn and grow as we see more of who He is. And today we will be in reading 88, uh, which if you've been reading along, know that That particular reading was a little bit longer than a lot of the readings. Uh, And so buckle up. We got 50 verses, okay? Let's everyone stand for the reading of... No, I'm just kidding. But we will try and cover that today. Today we'll start to talk about the third year and final year of Jesus' ministry in human form here on earth. This year by many scholars is called the year of opposition, And today we'll begin to see why many scholars will coin it with this term. Now to give you a little context, we'll be in John chapter 6 too if you got your Bibles or your book today. Um, Jesus had just fed over 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, A lot of people put the estimated crowd at about 20,000 people. It's a large group of people. Uh, Jesus fed every one of them until they were full and then had leftovers. The people were amazed, they were astonished, they were shocked, they were surprised, and so they said, we want to make this guy our king. So Jesus left, and he went to the mountain, Scripture says, which is amazing to me, a 20,000 person worship service, worshiping Jesus, and then he leaves. See... What we'll figure out today is that there's a reason why Jesus left, and there's a reason why when he confronts the people, he confronts with the statements that he does, and that's because they misunderstand the miracle that Jesus provided through that feeding. This miracle, like every miracle that Jesus performed, was to point to something greater than the miracle itself. In 1982, there was a film by the name of E.T., I don't know if you guys have heard of that movie before. Uh, It was released by Amelin Productions, and in that movie, there's an iconic scene of a little boy named Elliot who leads an alien into his home, and he used a candy. Does anyone know the name of that candy he used? Reese's Pieces, that's correct. During the production of E.T., Amblin approached Mars Incorporated to have M&M's as the candy that would lead E.T. into Elliot's home. For whatever reason, Mars said no, and that no that they offered led to Hershey's yes. Hershey took the uh, small little candy that hadn't been released for very long, the underdog in the candy market, and thrust Reese's Pieces onto the scene. They had agreed not to be paid to be put in the movie, but Hershey would pay $1 million in advertising Uh, to help promote the film, and then after the film, E.T. can be used in any Reese's Pieces ad that they desired. 
shortly after the premiere, two weeks after the premiere, sales for Reese's Pieces went through the roof. There's a lot of debate about how far the roof, through the roof they went, uh, but nevertheless, Reese's went from an underdog to a powerhouse in the candy market very quickly. And I think what's interesting is, is this, this story in E.T. parallels the story today in that a lot of people focused specifically on this candy and may have missed the point and the shocking nature of a little boy leading an alien into his own home. I think there's a connection there that we'll soon see and a connection in all of us that when Jesus does something, we have an opportunity to focus on what he does or who he is. Jesus often used miracles to point people to himself, but the crowd completely misses that idea that we'll see today. Instead, they focus on the tool or the sign rather than on Jesus. After they had made their bellies full, they wanted Jesus to be their king immediately. But Jesus wouldn't be swayed by a role that someone else wanted to place upon him. No, he was there for the mission and the purpose of his father. And so he disappeared to the mountains. Shortly after that, we get a snippet of another miracle, another story. The disciples grew impatient with Jesus because he didn't come down from the mountaintop. And so they decide to leave that place without Jesus, which seems like a foolish idea when you think about it, but that's what they decided to do. And they got in their boats and they rode across the lake and arose a great wind, the scriptures say, a, a storm surge uh, uh, immediately. And then they get freaked out even a little bit more because there's someone walking on the water towards them in the middle of a storm. And Jesus gets in the boat. And then scripture says, immediately they arrived at their destination. Didn't calm the storm, just left and arrived where they needed to be. Now, it seems as if there was a little bit of a desire for the disciples and Jesus to both move on from these 5,000 men, these 20,000 people. And maybe they wanted to move on from Jesus, but maybe not. So, we're going to start today in verse 22 of John 6. The next day, the crowd had stayed on the far shore. They saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into their boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval." So after these people had gotten their bellies filled by Jesus' miracle, they wanted to make them, him his ki their king. They wanted his influence. They wanted to leverage his miraculous power for their own benefit. And so they went looking for Jesus. Many of us in this room, even though we may not implicitly state, even though we may not say, here's why I'm here, we're looking for Jesus. 
And they were doing the same. And they found him. So they asked a reasonable question. Jesus, when did you get here? But Jesus doesn't answer that question. He goes straight to the heart. He gets straight to the point. He gets straight to the matter. And he just says this. The only reason you even came looking for me was because I gave you food. You didn't come for me. You came for what I can do. You came for the miracle bread. In the verses that we're about to see, Jesus is going to do something very interesting, something different, something that causes people to react maybe in a not-so-favorable way. And we've got some work to do, so I need everybody to take out their outlines. A little bit of, little bit of space to cover today, okay? Uh, and our, our first point, when we find Jesus, he exposes our interests. Again, the crowd here starts with this innocent question, right? Where, when did you get here? They even flatter him with a title, right? Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus, he doesn't have the time for that. He gets straight to the point. Man, you just came here for this food. You just came here for the miracles. You just came here for your benefit. You didn't come for me. You didn't come for understanding. You didn't come to ask questions about who I really am. Now, I want you to imagine this again. These people had just seen something done by Jesus that they had never seen another teacher do. They had never seen another human being do. Miraculously provide food for 20,000 people with one boy's lunch. And not just some food for 20,000 people, but enough to get their bellies filled and have extra. So immediately in their mind, rather than go, whoa, what is this? This is different. This is unique. They immediately go to, huh, what else can he do? I mean, what if he was in charge? What could he do? And they begin to think about their own benefit, their own cause, their own mission. But Jesus got straight to that, didn't he? He didn't waste time. Hey, me and you, we're not on the same page right now. So I got a question for you today, same question that Jesus was asking to that crowd. I asked to this crowd today, what do you want from Jesus? Why are you looking for him? What is it you're waiting on from him? See, Jesus performed this miracle to point to himself. He wanted people to know who he was. This miracle was intentional. It was specific. It was with a purpose and a point. But these people didn't want Jesus. They wanted the bread that he could provide to them. That bread that may turn into other things later on. For us, this is something that we have to evaluate in ourselves very honestly. Here's some questions to help us as we think about this. What are our prayer center around? Like when you pray, what are you praying about? Are you asking God to close that deal for you? Are you asking him to change some person for your benefit? What makes us the most upset in this life? 
what frustrates us, what makes us angry. See, our emotions are a sign to us as to what we truly believe. So when you feel something, you got to go, hmm, what does that say? I believe. For me, the question that I think is a crucial one is, do we approach Jesus like he's Santa Claus? We bring our list to him and hope he grants our requests. Jesus says, for instead of us to spend our energy working for the things that will ultimately perish, he says, we need to be working for the things that lead to eternal life, things that will last forever, things that won't perish. Then he tells the people that God himself has put his seal of approval on him. Now, that's an important thing to understand because a seal in those days was, to use, was used to either signify ownership of something or it was used to validate a document, much like we have a notary today. It was to say that this is official, this is a legit thing, this is seen as, this is seen as real. And so Jesus here is stating that God himself has approved everything that he has done and everything that he will do. And that's a bold claim. It's a bold claim for anyone to make. Jesus was saying, God has approved of me and everything I say and do. And these miracles that he performed, they were a sign of that approval. Verse 28, then they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Now, for some of us, that may be shocking. For some of us, that is God's grace to a T, and we love it. We love the fact that God has given us complete approval, and the work that we have to do is belief and trust. But some of us, that's not what we think all, that's not all that we think we have to do. We try and make ourselves look good. We try and do the good things. We try and not do bad things. We want to be seen as good by other people. And we work so that maybe one day God will look at us and he'll say, well done. And sometimes we want to do the things of God because there's benefit from that. I mean, there's benefit from not getting in debt. There's benefit from being kind to other people. There are benefits to those things. And I think these people were wondering the same thing. How can we do the things that you do, Jesus? Not so that God gets the glory, but so I get something. And when Jesus tells them here not to work for the things that perish, but instead to work for the things that lead to eternal life, they misunderstood. They just didn't get it. They were thinking, oh, well then, what, what do we do? I mean, what do we do to get that eternal life? And Jesus said, there's, there's no work to do. There's no work to do. There's no work to do to get eternal life. The only work is to believe, to trust. So Jesus is teaching us something here. Ultimately, without him, we are empty. We'll always be searching. We'll always be uh, wanting just a little bit more. Sometimes the things that we think might satisfy us, don't. And so we'll look to another thing. And we do it even with things that seem to be the right thing. 
We'll do it with Bible study. We'll do it with the spiritual disciplines. Man, if I just memorize some more verses or if I just get into this type of small group or if I just have this conversation with this person who knows God and we try and acquire all these badges of spiritual life, but that's not what God has called us to do. That's an overflow when we are in connection with Him. It's a different type of life. And Jesus turns this idea of working upside down and essentially says to the crowd, let me work for you in the way that God has set out for me to do. Isaiah speaks to this idea in chapter 55, verses 2 and 3. It says, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your eyes wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love that I promised to David. Jesus is saying, come to me. And he was saying to those people, you didn't come to me. You came to get something from me. So my my question for us today is just this, why, why are we searching for Jesus? What is it that you're trying to gain from him? Not only does Jesus expose our interests, but he also expresses his identity. Verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. This statement I'm about to read is just, crazy in my mind. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What can you do? Oh, they had no idea. What can you do? The people, after hearing Jesus tell them to believe, they ask him for another sign. They ask him to do something else. They ask him, what else can you do, Jesus? Now, please don't forget, when you hear these questions, Jesus did not come looking for those people. They came looking for him. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of innocence behind their questions, does it? It seems like there's a lot of, I mean, look at all these people here, Jesus. What else can you do? It seems they're trying to leverage some pressure. They're leveraging the size of the crowd. They're leveraging these things. Why? So that God will do what they want him to do. And then they point to history. I mean, God fed our ancestors through Moses. Moses fed our ancestors this bread. And Jesus quickly disarms that. No, God fed you that bread. And that bread that he fed you, they still needed it day after day after day after day. Now God is giving you a greater bread, a perfect bread. And it's right in front of you, Jesus says. 
So then the people ask, well, Jesus, give us this bread. Verse 39, or excuse me, 34. He says, Jesus replied, or sir, they said, give us that bread every single day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. They say, Jesus, keep giving us stuff. Keep giving us this stuff you've got for us. Keep bringing it on. One more time. We need more. We need more. And then Jesus gives a statement, one of the first I am statements that he gives in this final year of ministry. And he says, I am the bread of life. And then he gets inside of them. He gets into this place where he speaks to their heart, he speaks to their mind, and he says, but you guys don't get it. God has given me to you, and you see me, but it doesn't change you. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm not like that manna in the wilderness. I came to bring true satisfaction, not temporary satisfaction. I came to give you life full and complete and forever. But they didn't believe in him. Jesus clearly says to them that he is from God and that he is for life for them. Later on, Jesus says a similar thing in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other avenue, there is no other way, there is no other bridge other than Jesus Christ. And he's trying to explain this to them. He's trying to show them who he really is. And this bread that he's talking about, him, it gives life and it truly satisfies And the only way that you can get it is to believe in Jesus. The only way that that crowd could receive the bread of life is to believe in him. To believe what he said, to believe who he is, to believe that these miracles are a sign that he is sent by God. But they didn't. See, the only way that we can receive this bread of life, the only way that we can get that eternal life that Jesus talks about the Father giving to those who believe in Him, is through our faith, through our trust, through our belief, through our dependence on God. Ephesians 2, Paul says this, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself, so that no one can boast. No one. There's not a person in this room, there's not a person on this stage that has earned the love of the Father. But he freely, freely gives it to us.
Jesus here is clearly explaining who he is. And here's the thing. You know, we're, we're in the South. You know, there's churches everywhere. You've probably heard believe in Jesus more times than you've heard many other phrases in your life. One, that doesn't change it. And two, there's no other way. There is no other way. You have to lay down. I have to lay down, and I have to receive the bread of life. Jesus here is clear with this crowd that wanted him to be someone other than who he was. He clearly said, here's who I am. Not only does Jesus expose our interests and express his identity, but he also explains his purpose. Verse 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his mom and dad. How can he say I came down from heaven? Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the Scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I who was sent from God have seen Him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Now, we, we see something, you know, the, the, this crowd here, they talk about their ancestors. They talk about how they got this manna in the wilderness. And we see that they do know their ancestors' story very well because they begin to grumble and complain and murmur to each other. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, you see the story of the Israelites, the whole community of Israel complaining against Moses and Aaron. This isn't a small group. This is everybody, everybody complaining. And why are they complaining? Because they're not in slavery anymore. And the menu doesn't look good to them. So they would rather go back to slavery where they had pots filled with meat rather than be free in the wilderness being provided for by God. See, the Israelites were being fed miraculously by God. That manna they knew about I knew about that. And yet, just like that crowd of Israelites missed it, this crowd of people interacting with Jesus missed it too. So Jesus begins to explain his purpose, and he begins to, to help people understand that the reason why he's here is to point people to God, not to bring power, not to bring authority, not to bring influence, but instead to reunite people with their heavenly Father to make a connection, to make them whole again. And the same is true for us. We grumble, we complain, we murmur against God's plan. We're not satisfied with God's plan sometimes. And I think sometimes we just grumble and complain because we didn't come up with it. It's not our plan. And sometimes we grumble and complain because we're not in control. 
and we can't make things work the way that we want to. But I believe Scripture teaches us very clearly, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all things work together for good for those who love Jesus Christ. For me, a question, a great question to ask when something's going on that you don't understand or something that's going on that you're frustrated with is to go to God and say, God, what good is there in this? What are you doing? I don't understand it. I don't get it. What are you trying to do? God will not waste a pain. He will not waste a pain. Jesus explains that they must be drawn by the Father. And those who the Father draws, He calls. And those who He calls will be kept in the Father's arms forever. Those who believe in the Father, those who believe in the Son in whom He sent, those will have eternal life. The one behind the drawing is God. The one behind the calling is God. We must embrace Jesus and believe. And Jesus gets more clear and more direct in verse 48. Yes, I'm the bread of life. Jesus here repeats himself, which we learn in, you know, communication training, that the reason why you repeat yourself is to help people remember and to make a point. Jesus did that very thing. Yes, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but all of them died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. Rather than ask Jesus what he meant, they argued with one another. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked, which seems like a great question to ask Jesus. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but they will live forever. Now, Jesus here again declares himself as the bread of life. He begins to talk about a little more specifically what is the bread of life? What does that statement mean And he talks about his flesh. He talks about his blood. He talks about what's to come. And he pushes home the point that if you are going to receive eternal life, if you're going to get life with God, you have to believe him. You have to believe Jesus. Now, I also want to get to this place and talk about something. This is a weird statement. Jesus here says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Can we all just be okay with the fact that that is weird? That's a weird thing. Now, do you think for a second that Jesus meant it to be that way? Anybody? You know, Perry's been through this series. He talks about the things that Jesus said. Do you think that Jesus meant it the way that he said it? 
No. Do you think he said it on purpose? Oh, yeah. I mean, he says everything on purpose. Yeah, he meant it to be at this place where people go, huh? Because the Father does draw, the Father does woo, the Father does bring people to himself. And Jesus here is talking about something. Now, a lot of people today get this statement wrong. They think that somehow Jesus here is talking about the Lord's Supper. He's not talking about the Lord's Supper at all. He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the last day. He's talking about his sacrifice. And yeah, there's a parallel theme. We take the Lord's Supper because of his sacrifice, but those two are not the same. And there are some religious groups that really do believe we have to really eat Jesus' flesh, and we have to really drink his blood, and that Jesus has to be crucified afresh every time we take the Lord's Supper. But the disciples, they they never ate Jesus' flesh. They never drank his blood. That leads us automatically to see that, man, that's probably not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about something else. Well, what does it mean to eat his flesh and drink his blood? He's been saying it over and over and over again in this passage. It means to believe. It means to believe. What to believe in? Well, to believe that Jesus will die. His flesh will be broken. His blood will be shed. To believe that Jesus lived a perfect life is to eat the bread. To believe that when his blood was shed, it was shed for the sacrifice of our sins, to pay the penalty, to pay the payment for what we earn, for what we deserve. So to believe that is to come to Jesus and receive the fact that he has given his life for us. To receive from him full and true satisfaction. Now, Perry's been up here the last several weeks, been talking about this clean eating thing, right? Been talking about food. And I want everyone in here to be honest with themselves, okay? If healthy food tasted better, we would all eat more of it. Every bit of it. Food was not just provided to us because of its health benefits. It was also provided because it tastes good. Everything does not taste like chicken. Thank God. Jesus didn't just come to do the right thing for us, to give us the thing that we need. He also came to fulfill us emotionally. He is good. And we truly, truly do get satisfaction when we come to him. It's just like sitting down at the table. When you eat, you become less hungry. When you come to Jesus and you believe and you lay your agenda down and you say, Jesus, give me what you have. God, give me what you had. He does fill you. And he does give you peace and he does give you comfort and he does give you what you need. But we have to come and ask him. We have to come and receive. We have to come to the table. He has prepared it, and it is going to be good for you, and it is going to be delicious. But we have to come, and we have to sit down, and we have to open ourselves up to receive from him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For God made Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, 
so that we could be made right with God through Jesus. Jesus became sin. He knew no sin but became sin for us. And by our belief, by our faith, by our trust in who Jesus is, we get eternal life with God. Verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But some of you do not believe me. Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Have you believed? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as the only way towards reconciliation with the Father? Have you given up to receive what Jesus is offering to you? Have you come to terms with the fact that your sin, my sin, put Jesus on that cross? That we deserved death, eternal, forever separation from God. But Jesus came He lived perfectly. He died sacrificially. He shed his blood to cover our sins, to pay them in full so that they would be forever forgotten in the eyes of the Father and giving us a new life to live today. Not just later, but today. Satisfaction, comfort, fulfillment, peace, love, joy. Do you have God's seal of approval on you through the Holy Spirit? Do you believe? Just as Jesus stated in John, I am stating to you today, there are people in this room who do not believe. Now, you may believe in Jesus for something, but you don't believe in Jesus and the mission and the purpose that he came to earth for. There are some in this room that are holding on to something, some interest, some control, some issue that they won't give to God rather than fully believe, to rest and live in the arms of the Father, something is holding you back. I pray today that you will fully receive God's gift for you. That you'll embrace it. That you'll enjoy it. And that you'll understand it. And today it's not too late because when Jesus comes, he also elicits a response from people. Verse 66 says this, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They turned away. Jesus wasn't who they thought he was. So they lost interest. Then Jesus turns to the twelve and he asks, Are you also going to leave? See, these folks turned away. A lot of people turned away. And before we get to Peter's response to Jesus' question, Jesus is asking you the question as well. 
Are you going to leave? If things don't work out the way that you've planned, are you going to leave? If I'm something different, if I'm something greater, if I'm something more than what you thought, are you going to leave? If Jesus doesn't give you what you want, will you leave? What's the breaking point for you? What's that thing in the way of you and your relationship with Jesus Christ? What are you waiting on him for? Jesus is trying to explain to this crowd that you don't have to wait. I'm right here. Jesus is right here and waiting. All of us have sinned, and because of our sin, Jesus went straight to the cross. He went there and he died sacrificially so that we can be perfect in the eyes of the Father. And today, you have an opportunity to make sure you don't leave this place until you realize who you are in Christ. That the relationship that you have with God needs to be fixed. And the only way you can fix it is not by another small group. It's not by another prayer. It's only by trusting in Jesus and what he came to do. Stop waiting to figure it out. You can repent and you can receive forgiveness of sins and forever life today. Let's look at what Peter said. Verse 68, Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Now, there's a lot of truth in Peter's statement. A lot of truth. There's also a little bit of I don't get it. Because that word we in the Greek means we get it, they don't get it. We've got this special knowledge, they don't have this special knowledge. But Jesus doesn't turn his back on Peter. He doesn't turn his back on those 12. He kept saying, come on. Come on. And if there was a guy that would have a hard time, you know, showing patience towards, it would be Peter. But he did, and he loved Peter. And he continued to teach, he continued to model, he continued to encourage, he, he continued to challenge, and then he even rebuked Peter and then brought him back. Today, Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to meet you at the table that he has prepared. Don't leave without meeting Jesus. Even if you've known Jesus forever, don't leave without speaking to him today. Counselors will be at the front. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you that we can come to the table and receive. Thank you that we can eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, and know that we are forgiven, know that we are good in your sight, know that we have life forever with you. God, thank you for transforming us today, that we don't just have to make it through this life on earth. We're not just surviving. God, thank you for giving us purpose. Thank you for giving us satisfaction. Thank you for allowing us to enjoy what it is that you've done in us. God, today there are people who don't know you and you've been drawing them. I pray today that they would believe. 
that they would receive your son as a bread of life and that you would change their life forever. Help us as we live our lives. Help us to be bread distributors. Not just to give good things to people, but to give the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to others. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood Church app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.